The day is Thursday the 2nd of November. I'm Jason England and it's good to be back. Welcome to Learn Something, the official podcast of NewRisingMedia.com where I consume your brain space with weird and wonderful facts that you've probably never heard before. And it's also a constant top 100 ranking podcast in Anchor, which to me, quite frankly, is mind-blowing. I know it's. I know I've taken quite a long break from it, so to come back and to be in the rankings that quickly is just insane. So thank you to each and every one of you who listens to this. So today's show, I talk about technology and I go into weird gadgets, NASA and smartphones. Let's get going. This is going to be a good one. And before I start this episode, I've just got to give a quick plug to the blog that I run. Obviously, this is a podcast at newrisingmedia.com. And if I don't talk about the website, then none of you will even know what it is. So it kind of becomes a bit redundant. So it's known as the Lifestyle Blog of the Future Human. And we cover all kinds of technology, science and geek culture stories with our own unique spin. And by our, I mean me. I don't know why I'm using the royal we in this situation when it is literally just me blogging usually in my pyjamas. But anyway, so recent stories include an an analysis, if I can say that right, an analysis, there we go, into Apple's ridiculous cult of secrecy that really needs to stop because an engineer got really unfairly fired because his daughter posted a video of her using the iPhone X before it was released. And a day later, technology journalists had it in their hands and they put up videos 24 hours later. That, it seems a bit silly to me. Beyond that as well, I look into the future of consumer technology. I went to a CES press dinner in London and besides being really tasty lunch, I've become quite foodie thanks to my girlfriend. Um, It also went into what CES and the Consumer Technology Association deem to be the future of consumer tech from 5G 5G connectivity to virtual reality and even smart cities. And finally, I also did a review of the Fossil Q Grant hybrid smartwatch, which finally in my mind is a watch that strikes that balance between being a smartwatch and actually being a watch because people don't want to give up having a watch on their wrist in favor of the bubbly looking apple watch or the star trek communicator looking fitbit smartwatch or whatever else whatever other hexagonal monstrosity fitness freaks seem to be wearing on their wrists. So, now you know all about that. If you go on to newrisingmedia.com, you'll see all of those top stories and much more there as well. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you'll be in with a chance of winning a copy of Crash Bandicoot, the Insane Trilogy on PS4. Cool. That's the plug bit. Let's get cracking. And we kick off this brand new episode of this new era of Learn Something with fire alarms. 
the life-saving technology that even though quite simple and sometimes quite annoying when it keeps beeping when you've got a low battery is important to everyone but one question what happens when someone is deaf what happens in any kind of office building if you've got audio based fire alarms but you have somebody in the office who is deaf deaf not deaf well japanese researchers are renowned for developing some of the most innovative gadgets and new technologies in the world and they've taken on the smoke alarm for deaf people and how do they do it well researchers have created a fire alarm which is a gadget that emits a wasabi mist which will make the endangered person aware and get them out of the building alive that to me is an insanely simple <laughs> bit of innovation and one that i'm very sure that since the story broke way back in 2010 to a very quiet reception has really saved lives next up the internet more specifically the death of the internet that apparently happened way back on the 8th of july 2010 now the late great prince way back then released an album completely free through the daily mirror and during an interview he declared the internet another platform to share music from especially through iTunes at that time completely over if you've the strength to make a quip about the computer network system formerly known as the world wide web then do insert it here but know either way that the sound of the times legend has registered its death quote unquote it's completely over i don't see why i should give my music to itunes or anyone else prince told the daily mirror explaining why his new album will be given away for free i really believe in finding new ways to distribute my music the internet's like mtv he continues at one time mtv was hip and suddenly it became outdated anyway all these computers and digital gadgets are no good they just fill your head with numbers and that can't be good for you spoken like a true technology expert And finally, cleaning your butt after going to the toilet. Now, most of you probably use toilet paper, but there's also this other thing that you see in more upmarket hotels and some other places and the weirdo's house down the road that has a bidet in it, which essentially is just a big sink for cleaning off your butt. Anyway, today I learned that a bidet is considered a key green technology and uses significantly less water, electricity and wood than a single roll of toilet paper. Justin Thomas, editor of the website metaefficient.com, considers bidets to be this technology because they eliminate the use of toilet paper. And according to his analysis, Americans use 36.5 billion rolls of toilet paper every year representing the pulping of some 15 million trees says thomas this also involves god this is a long number 473 billion 587 million 500,000 gallons of water to produce that paper 
and 253,000 tons of chlorine for bleaching. He also adds that manufacturing requires about 17.3 terawatts of electricity annually. And bidets barely use anything like that. A typical bidet uses about one eighth of a gallon every year. And in other research from a website treehugger.com, they report that making a single roll of toilet paper requires 37 gallons of water, 1.3 kilowatt hours of electricity, and some 1.5 pounds of wood. So you can see why the bidet is actually quite a crucial piece of eco-technology. Now, my question is, don't you still have to dry your bum off with toilet paper after? Or do you just go about your everyday with a wet bum crack? Now, when I went through the comments on this particular story, their proposal for it is to use one of those Dyson Air Katana things to blast your bum into submissive dryness. So, yeah, the Dyson Ass Blaster. Why not? Let's go for it. Next up, we are heading into space and we are talking about NASA. Now, here are three facts that you probably don't know about them. First off, we go back to 1969, namely the year that Neil Armstrong landed on the moon and went for a lovely trip up there to the planet of cheese, if you believe Wallace and Gromit, with Buzz Aldrin. Now, NASA possessed a technology to land on the moon, but they did not possess a technology to fake the moon landings. Now, what do I mean by this? Basically, in a short documentary that was put on YouTube by the channel Video From Space, they debunk every single possible conspiracy theory about the moon landing itself, which has become probably one of the biggest talking points in NASA's history. Now, what that means is they didn't have the camera technology, they didn't have the means to be able to animate any of the particular situations, they didn't have the means to artificially reduce the gravity in an area. So essentially, if you hear anybody saying the moon landing was faked, you have NASA's permission to slap them really hard across the face and tell them that they're being stupid. And speaking of that original moon landing, it turns out that NASA accidentally recorded over the original moon landing tapes losing a critical piece of human history forever. Now, this isn't like your nan recording Coronation Street over an old school video. Yes, that did actually happen, and I'm watching you. But it's a very, it's actually got a more logical explanation, but I do love the idea of that. Researchers concluded that the tapes containing the raw, unprocessed SSTV signal from Apollo 11 were erased and reused by NASA in the early 1980s, which was in accordance with their procedures because it was facing a major data tape storage issue at the time. Basically, they were running low on tapes, so their process was after so long, after a couple of decades, they would just reuse them. 
However, fortunately, we do have the live TV feed from it happening, so it's not lost forever. We've just lost this very <laughs> crucial part of it when we managed to get some telemetry from it. And finally, probably one of the weirdest job titles I've ever seen in NASA. A chief sniffer. That's right. Today I learned that NASA hires a man to sniff everything that they send into space. If he doesn't like it, it doesn't go to space. Now, let the weirdness of that settle in for a second and then think about what kind of a good idea that actually is because being in such close quarters as a space station or a rocket for months at a time you don't want to discover that some otherwise innocuous item really stinks after it's too late interviewing him were oddityscentral.com I used my sense of smell for 38 years to smell stuff before it goes into space. What makes me really important to NASA is that I actually use my sense of smell to help protect the astronauts from obnoxious odors in space. I feel like I'm a bodyguard for the astronauts. I'll smell it, you know. I'll take the bullet type thing before you are actually subjected to it. And... This actually comes with some good evidence to support the need for this job. Noxious odors can actually be a hazard to astronauts. An acrid stench on board the Soyuz 21 ended the 1976 Soviet mission because the odor became unbearable to the cosmonauts, which was reported by Angela Swafford for Wired magazine. And to prevent such calamities, NASA employs this special person to do it. And his name is George Aldrich, who is the man with the special nose. And what does he sniff? Well, he gets hundreds of NASA's smell requests on a regular basis. But other than that, he sniffs parts of the spacecraft itself. And he also checks astronauts' personal items like family photos, Bibles, parts to build a model ship in a bottle. He has smelt them all. And finally, we dive into the world of smartphones. You know, that very device you're probably listening to this on right now. Well, it turns out it wasn't invented by Blackberry or Android or iPhone. The concept of a smartphone actually came from IBM, who just sold a smartphone with a touchscreen and third-party apps way back in 1994 simply named the ibm simon it's a handheld touchscreen pda designed and engineered by ibm and assembled by mitsubishi and it's got an interesting history it was unveiled on november 23rd 1992 at the comdex computer and technology trade show in las vegas and it was a prototype that combined the mobile phone and PDA into one device. Features on it included the ability to send and receive faxes, emails and cellular pages. And it featured many applications, including an address book, calendar, appointment scheduler, calculator, world time clock, electronic notepad, handwritten annotations, 
and standard and predictive stylus input screen keyboards. Of course, it also came with accessories, including a charging base station with two nickel cadmium batteries and a protective leather cover. It also provides more information. It's also got its own operating system, which used the file system from Datalite ROM DOS, which was basically a stacking file compressor that IBM used in all of its computers. And it could also be upgraded to run third-party apps, either by inserting a PCMCIA card or by downloading an application to the phone's internal memory. Now, when you take a look at the specs, it doesn't really match up to <laughs> what you're probably using right now. The CPU was a simple 16 megahertz CPU and it only had one megabyte of RAM and either one megabyte of storage or you can actually get up to two megabytes of storage. But to its defense, it had a ridiculous battery of 7.5 volts, meaning it could probably last a little bit longer than that very thing you're listening to this on. So it was launched between August 1994 and February 1995 and sold only 50,000 units before it was discontinued. And speaking about batteries, one question is always floated to me by my friends and family and just random people whenever we get talking about phones, whether it be at CES or the late and great gadget show live or the 3D printing show, or wherever I've been to with a bunch of tech nerds. How do you protect that lithium-ion smartphone battery in your phone to last longer? Because we know many of the nightmare horror stories in that many people use their phone like they feel they normally should, and before they know it, that smartphone battery life has degraded drastically over six months and you can barely get through half a day and you need to have it plugged in at all times making that smartphone not very convenient at all well there's been some research into exactly what the most efficient way to use that lithium-ion battery is and the best way to use it is to in quotes top it up what does that mean well don't let it drain to 0% and charge it all the way back up. Basically, if you keep the charge in between 40 and 80%, then that essentially imprints onto the smartphone's battery memory and you essentially teach your rechargeable battery their full potential through doing this instead of charging it all the way up to 100%, taking it down to zero, and going all the way back up again. It keeps it in that happy medium of sorts. But one quick tip is don't fast charge it all the time because that will degrade the battery further. And while we all do talk very doom and gloom about this topic, I've been quite dramatic in this segment right now, try not to sway it too much. Typically, a lithium-ion battery lasts for three to five years, and chances are you're going to want to swap out your gadgets within that window. Some of you 
across two years, some of you every year. So while the slight damage of a battery is technically sounds bad or using fast charge sounds bad, it's pretty easy to keep your battery reasonably healthy just by avoiding any kind of like over the top torture of it. So for example, I record in 4K 60 frames a second on my iPhone 8. And if I was to do that all the time and kill the battery really quick, then obviously it's not going to be good for the battery if I do that over and over and over again. But normal phone use, you're barely going to notice it. So don't worry. Just be happy with your phone. And last, but most certainly not least, until next week, just some very random weird facts about the technology world. Now, did you know that 2.1 million people still use dial-up internet? Yes, they still use AOL's dial-up service to get on the web. While the spread of fiber optic has helped catapult the tech industry forward, millions of Americans and a few hundred thousand British people are still like, eh, you're all right. They're either left out of this implementation of fiber optic or broadband, or they've just chosen not to. Cost is one of the factors that they consider. While the dial-up only sets you back about $20 a month, or in other words, that is around 15 quid. If you only use the internet for email and reading the news, there's no reason to pay for a high-speed package. And that, to me, sounds mental. But anyway, another one. Millions of officers still use fax machines. I bet many of you work in an office that still has a fax machine lying around somewhere. People are still renting billions of DVDs every year. So Redbox is the DVD arm of the Netflix company. And they still send out over a billion discs every year, which means that 1,950 discs are rented every single minute. And finally, some government agencies still use the 1976 IBM Series 1 computer with Windows 3.1. So if you're ever worried about your government crumbling under the force of hacking, at least the computer is too old for them to connect to anyway. And that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope I've managed to surprise a few of you with those weird and wonderful facts. Now, the challenge is back onto you guys. Do you have weird facts about technology? or just weird trivia in general that could even surprise me. Now, bear in mind, I'm quite a tough customer when it comes to facts. This isn't my first rodeo. I've done 17 episodes of this show in the past, and it's going to take something super smart. So do your research, come back to me, go onto the anchor station and tap on learn something. You'll find it under the learn something category of anchor shows and tap the call in button. I will echo every single calling that I get. And yeah, it'll be great to hear from you. And for those listening via podcast services across the globe, whether it be in your car, 
Thank you for having me in your car. I hope it was a wonderful journey. Or whether you are just on a walk, I hope it was a lovely walk. Or just in general, if you're listening to it elsewhere. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to give it a thumbs up, a five star rating. And let me know I'm doing a good job. But until next week, stay safe. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye.